0: Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Annie Dickerson. Annie, how are you?
1: I'm great. Excited to be here, Tyler.
0: Absolutely, I'm excited as well, and I appreciate you taking time. I know that uh, we've got, I think, some great feng shui going on right now. But uh, you told me that before the show, so I'm going to have to give that that kudos back to you as well. So uh, for any well, of the well, mine's virtual, watch, yeah. virtual
1: feng shui. Yours is actual physical books and maps <laughs> and things, which is great. <laughs>
0: uh, well, you know what? You're you're the real deal. Uh, so you could be virtual feng shui or not. So that uh, that doesn't matter. But uh, I appreciate that, and I'm really looking forward to a fun conversation today and an enlightening conversation and something where the listeners can really add a ton of value to their own lives, to their own real estate practices. And so with that said, I want to welcome Elevate Nation back to the show because we're about to take it to another level. I have no doubt about that. It is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness through real estate investing and beyond. And really, this is where we're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about habits, routines, systems, tools, strategies, you name it, so you can elevate to a life without limits or beyond. And you know, this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And if you appreciate what we're doing on the show, we'd certainly be grateful if you subscribed, if you gave us a rating, a five-star rating, if you're so inclined and a review is certainly very helpful for us as we reach our message to more people. Ultimately, I say this time and time again, but our goal is to reach millions of people with the message that you don't have to live a life that you tolerate. You can actually live a life of fulfillment, and we believe, I know Annie would agree with me here, is that real estate investing, successful real estate investing for cash flow, for long-term wealth appreciation, for capital accumulation, and for all the great benefits that, retail, uh, that, that uh, real estate has to offer in addition to growing yourself in constant and never ending improvement is really the path towards elevating to a life without limits. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. See, Annie's nodding her head, I promise. I didn't, uh, I didn't pay her $20 for that. You agree with me, huh?
1: Oh, 100%. I agree with everything that you're saying, all about transformation and just lifelong learning and then having that passive income, having that wealth growing machine under you to support you. Um, I love all of that.
0: Absolutely. And and you know what, we've got to be practical, and we've got to be inspired. So there's a couple things here we're going to dive into. There's a lot of different things we're going to dive into. So with that said, I want to introduce you to Miss Annie Dickerson, who is a real estate investing expert with over a decade of real estate investing experience. She and her business partner, Julie Lamb are the co-founders of Good Egg Investments, a company that helps people invest passively in real estate syndications. Together, they have helped hundreds of investors around the country to invest in commercial real estate assets totaling over $700 million. Annie and Julie are authors of the book Investing for Good, the surprising strategy for building wealth while also making an impact, co-hosts of the podcast Investing for Good, and creators of Real Estate Accelerator, a top-rated online course designed to help people learn how to raise private capital for real estate investment. So that's it Annie, welcome again to the show. Tell us a little bit more about yourself behind the bio.
1: Oh yeah, well, thank you for the introduction, Tyler. My goodness! If you had told me when I was a little girl that I'd be sitting here on a real estate podcast, I would have thought you were nuts. I seriously, I had no intention of going into business, going into real estate. Um, in fact, when I was growing up, uh, my parents had never bought their own house. We lived in apartments all through growing up. And I was raised, you know, Asian family, I was raised to get straight A's, uh, be top of my class, go to an Ivy League college, I did all of those things. And then I said, well, now what? (laughs) I was raised to, you know, be a doctor or a lawyer, those were like my choices, right? But then I surprised my parents, (laughs) not a great surprise for them. Um, I said, you know what, I want to be a teacher. I want to teach with Teach for America. So that's the first thing that I did out of college. I was an elementary school teacher, actually. I taught fourth grade outside of Washington, D.C. Real estate was not even on my radar. Um, But my husband and I were looking to buy our first home and you know being young 20-somethings we were like okay well let's let's buy a trendy loft or a condo adams morgan you know all these uh, all these trendy washington dc neighborhoods and luckily we had a realtor um who said to us well you know condos are nice But have you thought about these row homes? Because in D.C., row homes are very popular. And he said, well, a lot of them have not just one unit, but they have two. They have a basement in-law suite. And he said, you know, if you fix it up, you rented it out, if you played your cards right, eventually you might get it to be cash flow positive. And I looked at him in that moment. And I remember so clearly that moment because I never heard those words put together before. My parents had never taught me about that. They taught me to go to work and get a salary and maybe get a raise every once in a while. I never heard of those that term cash flow positive. I didn't know what it was, but it sounded darn good to me. Yeah,
0: right? <laughs> so
1: we did that. We bought a row home It was a duplex. We house hacked it. We lived in the top unit. We rented out the basement unit. And I will never forget that first check that we got. We didn't do it. I mean, we rented it out, but beyond that, we didn't really do anything that month. And we got this passive income and we were like 23 and I was floored. Here I was trying to make a, <laughs> trying to make a living being a teacher. And it's, sad when you spend so much time preparing those lesson plans and working overtime and you open that first paycheck and you see how much it is as a teacher versus here i was doing nothing and i was making this passive income with this real estate so that was the eye-opening moment for me that was really the beginning of the entire journey
0: wow so you got the um the little candy on the stick there and you took a little (laughs) bite of it and you said wait a minute Uh, what is this? This is interesting. This is tasty. And let me let me taste this out again. And so tell me about how did you continue there? I mean, obviously, that first month was nice. It was rosy. I would imagine there were probably some hiccups along the way. But what was step two from there?
1: Yeah. So we called that one Alpha. We named our, all of our properties after the, the letters of the alphabet. So that one was Alpha and Alpha did so well. We bought Alpha in 2008 um, and it was um, a foreclosure. The basement had previously been a brothel. So we did a lot of work wow. there. Um, but, you know, we bought it at such a good price. We were like, oh, my gosh, we have to do this again so less than a year later we bought bravo which was actually funny enough on the same block it was right around the corner and um we bought this we did the same thing again we house hacked bravo that one also had a basement in-law suite um and Then, well, then life took a different turn. I decided I I left the classroom because I wanted to make educational games. So we moved across the country to Vancouver, British Columbia, went back to school to study game design, of all things. Um, And Vancouver's real estate market is very different. (laughs) Um, And so we sat out there, but then now we currently live in Oakland, California. And so we picked up on the house hacking when we moved here about six years ago now. And so we're actually, we're still house hacking. We have two young kids, they're seven and four, and we've taught them all about what it means to be a landlord, to be responsible for to provide housing, to provide affordable housing for people, to collect, collect that passive income. So they know the whole spiel. Um, but what happened was in 2017-ish, I... I got to give you a little context here because when we moved to the Bay Area, I thought um, for sure, uh, my husband and I were both working in tech at the time. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be the best move. We moved to the Bay Area. We don't have to keep moving because we'll have all these tech jobs here. We'll have so much opportunity. It'll be great. So as soon as we moved to the Bay Area, my husband says to me, honey, I'm going into real estate. I said, wait. What? <laughs> totally out of left field, and um, so he decides to become a real estate agent. And as soon as he does that, I said, "Well, I crossed that off my list. We can't both be in real estate. That would be ridiculous." <laughs> and so here I am working my job. Right? I'm uh, at that time I was a game designer slash instructional designer, creating courses for companies. And so I'm doing that and I'm watching him as he is um, building his real estate business. And the first year, um, my salary was, you know, up here, and his was way down here because he was he only had like one or two clients, right? Second year, I'm like looking across, and his his income comes pretty close, pretty darn close to mine, and I'm like, huh, what's going on over there? And by the <laughs> well, third <healthy> year, <laughs> yeah, by the third year, he's like surpassed mine, and I'm like, wait a second, what is going on here? And he's getting so busy, he's like, oh, could you help me with my business? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like okay fine i don 't have that much time, but I could devote a little time maybe i 'll read some real estate books or something to help you and At the time, I was working as a creative director, and I took a look at his website and Tyler, I tell you, this thing was atrocious it was basically it was like dark purple i don 't even know what color it was, but it was like this dark website and it had a picture of him on one side and a block of text on the other. And that and was, he was his still entire successful. website. Yes. That was his entire website. And I said, okay, this is such low hanging fruit. I have to take this on. So I took it on as a side hustle to just uh, recreate, redesign his website. And that's what got me oh, Wow! <laughs> in the process of doing that. I learned I had to. I had to for the content marketing. I had to learn more about how real estate works, how real estate investing works, and fell into the bigger pockets rabbit hole. So as soon Mm -hmm. as that happened, I was like, okay, forget my job. I got to quit my job to go into real estate investing. But at the time, I thought that I had to be a landlord. So I thought, okay, well, I guess we'll buy another duplex. We'll do another house hack. But now that we live in the Bay Area, that's near impossible. And with kids and all their stuff, I was like, forget it. Okay, next, next idea, right? So I said, well, if we can't house hack and the Bay Area is so expensive, maybe we can invest out of state. And so that's when I started looking out of state. And when you live in the Bay Area and you start investing anywhere outside of the Bay Area, it looks like everything is on fire sale. Yeah. And so I started looking in parts of the Midwest and the Southeast and we zeroed in on Huntsville, Alabama as a market that fit a lot of our criteria. And I still remember that first fourplex I looked at in Huntsville. It was $200,000. You can't you can't even get a one-bedroom condo here in the Bay Area for $200,000. Four <laughs> units for $200,000. I called up the realtor and I said, "So, give me the skinny on this. Is this like, is this like in a really bad area? Is does it have a lot of deferred maintenance? Like, what's going on here?" And he's like, "No, that's actually a good neighborhood, good schools, pretty safe." I was like, "Are you serious? I can buy four units for two hundred thousand dollars." And so, of course, we just bought up a whole bunch of properties. And as soon as we did that friends and family started to take notice cuz that's all we would talk about and they were like oh my gosh I want that cash flow too everybody wants that that taste of the 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 lollipop right right and they're like I want to do that too teach me how to do that and I would say, sure, pull up a chair. I'll teach you exactly how to do it. Here are all the steps, right? You got to identify the market. Then you talk to the brokers. You talk to a lender. You get your paperwork in order. You look at the properties. You underwrite the property. I'm going down the list. And they're like, their eyes are just like glazed.
0: <laughs> they're going to do that too? Oh my Right. Gosh. They're
1: yeah. like, wait. You mean I have to do work to get this
0: (laughs) cash flow? I thought you said passive. Come on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're like, wait, wait, what about this passive thing? Um, And so most of them stopped there. That was as far as they took it. But I had enough of these conversations that I realized that there were people out there who had money Mm -hmm. that they wanted to put into real estate. They wanted that cash flow, but they didn't know how to do it. They didn't have the time or really the interest to learn how to do it, to deal with it. And here I was, I had figured out how to do it. I was like, maybe there's a way for me to bring them in with me. But then I was, you know, at the time I was doing these fourplexes and I was like, there's not really room for me to bring in another investor on a $200,000 property. Right. (laughs) And I didn't know anything about syndications at this point. I never even, in all those years of living in apartments, it never occurred to me who actually owned those apartment complexes. I never even thought about that. But then as I started looking into it, really trying to add value and trying to help my friends and family, that's when I discovered syndications. And I realized, oh my gosh, I can just drive the bus. They can get a seat in the back and I can do all the hard work, but they can come along for the ride. And so that's what really opened my eyes to this whole world of commercial syndications and good egg and the whole, all the rest of it is history.
0: Are you someone who's seriously looking to elevate your life, your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal opportunities, your access to opportunities, your network this year? Well, if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com because I'm currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. And really, you know, expand that beyond your wildest dreams and explode your business, explode your deal opportunities, explode your vision for what you're looking to create. If that's you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I really have to tell you that this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive. They're committed. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to get to where they want to be and to live a life, without limits, to elevate to a life without limits, which is really what we're all about on the show. If that is you, again, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. That's amazing, and um, I love that whole story. And first, here's the other thing. I love having you on the podcast because it's like the easiest time for me because I just get to listen to you. <laughs> tell me this fun story. This is amazing. Uh, so just wanted to say that. But but second of all, just for the listeners, one way that I've heard syndication described to me is like, if you take a flight across the country, that's a syndication. I mean, we're all, you know, all the ticket holders are putting their money into a pot there and it's taking you across the country. So it's about being a part of a bigger sort of opportunity. And as you mentioned, it is, mm-hmm. it is such an enlightening process when you walk around your city and you start to recognize that the larger you know, real estate assets, most of the time are parts of either syndications or funds or real estate investment trusts. So you can invest a portion of your own money into a larger deal and allow, you know, a team of individuals to, you know, Mm -hmm. operate that property. And then it becomes passive. As you mentioned, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad in the beginning, I'm like, man, that sounds amazing. Passive cash flow. All I have mm-hmm. to do is buy this eightplex or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think that maybe your experience kind of operating and being truly a landlord mm-hmm. up until that point to where you recognized that there were so many other people who wanted to be involved, do you think that served you, um, at least give you more perspective, or how did that work oh, for yeah. you?
1: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I could tell you so many, I'm sure you have so many stories too. I mean, um, there was one time when <laughs> my property manager calls me out of the blue. It's never a good sign when they call you out of the blue, right? No. <laughs> and um, she's like, oh, Annie, this is from the South, right? Annie, dear, you sitting down? (laughs) Like, oh, no, Uh this is not good. She's (laughs) like, well, you know that tenant that we were going to evict tomorrow? Because there was this tenant who hadn't been paying. Finally, and I'm not a great landlord. I don't, I don't tow the line like I should sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I let him slip by. But we finally decided to evict this one tenant. And um, so, but the sheriff was going to come the next day. And she said, well, it turns out that she took off, but before she did, she stopped up all the tubs and the sinks in the unit, left the water running and flooded three of the four units in that fourplex. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, wait, so you're telling me not only now do we have a vacant unit, but we have three vacant units that are going to be offline. I hadn't dealt with flooding before, and so there's that whole period where it has to actually dry out, and this is the humid south, right? So it takes months for it to just dry out, and then they have to go in and fix it all up, but it was through experiences like that that I realized, okay, this is not for everyone. Like as a busy mom, I don't I don't have time to deal with that. I don't want to be on the uh, on the phone with insurance people filling out paperwork and doing this whole back and forth. I want to spend my time with my family. And that's it was those experiences that allowed me to realize that other people had those pain points too that they felt stuck in a way that they had built up all of this capital from working their jobs, but they didn't know what else to do with it. They couldn't invest in real estate because they knew that it would be a time suck that they would have to put in all this time and energy to learn about it, to manage it. Um, And so that's why, and speaking of the um, airplane analogy, which funny enough for now, I mean, now there won't be too many people on flights for the foreseeable future. But, but that was the analogy that allowed me um, when it was first explained to me to really grasp what syndications were, because when it was explained to me, it was that um, the syndication is like a flight and the syndicators or the sponsors are the pilots. They're the ones in the front Um, piloting the plane. And if anything goes wrong, it's their, their job to fix it. The people in the back are all of us passive investors. We put our money in, we got a ticket for the flight, and we get to just sit back and chill. We get to read our book, take a nap, watch TV, do whatever we want, live our life. But at the end of the day, we're all going to the same place. And so I love that you brought that up because that was the the analogy that finally made me realize how syndications work.
0: Yeah, it's a great, um, it's a great analogy. And really, if you think about it, we could use so many other similar analogies, such as maybe going to a sporting event or anything. I mean, really, we're all also
1: irrelevant now. (laughs) I know, right?
0: I'm saying all the irrelevant things, but it is, it is interesting. And at the same time, I do think it's so interesting to realize that even though you're passive in those type of opportunities, Mm -hmm. you still, you should still be aware, like, who are the pilots? What are their experience and what's the team that's around them? You know, who's, who's communicating with them on the ground, right? Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. it is so interesting. And as a passive investor, you know, you've got to be taking extreme ownership as well. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just because you're, you're taking a passive seat on the flight doesn't mean you don't have to do anything. You still have a responsibility to yourself, to your family, to the capital that you've saved up to really do your own due diligence. Um, and then as for the pilots of the flight, I mean, for those listeners who are syndicating their own deals, I mean, now is an especially um, important time for those pilots of the plane, because if you think about being on an actual plane, right, we're sort of mixing metaphors here and now, but being on an actual plane, right, when the turbulence hits, what does the pilot come on and do? The pilot doesn't come on the speaker and say, oh my gosh, we're hitting turbulence. Oh my (laughs) gosh, everybody buckle up, grab you, you know. They don't do that, right? And they also don't say nothing. It's not Mm -hmm. like silence. They come on and they're very, they're very assured in their tone. They're like, guys, there's turbulence up ahead, but don't worry. We've got it all under control. This is, this is what we're doing. Just buckle up. Keep enjoying your book we'll be through this in a little bit. And if you think about where we are right now, I think with COVID-19, with everything that's going on, you see some operators who are doing those two things, right? Some are like freaking out and they're like, oh my gosh. And then some are just like, I'm not touching this with a 10 foot pole. I'm not going to say anything. And what those passive investors, what those people on the plane are really looking for, they're looking for leaders at this point to really support them and to show them the way, show them some ounce of certainty to get them through this, which is exactly what you're doing with this podcast. And, uh, all of that thought leadership provides so much assurance for people, and that's what they're going to look for and remember when we do finally get through this.
0: I totally agree. I think um, leadership is one of the most important qualities of a successful real estate investor, you know, especially in syndication. When you have so many people involved, you have so many different parties and interests involved, you know, you have to be aware of what are the emotions that everyone's experiencing right now. Everyone's experiencing uncertainty, fear, doubt, worry, you know, all of those things, all of the above, survival, fight or flight. And what is the what, is, what do great leaders do? They say, "Look, We have challenges, you know, we're not, we're not saying, look, we're putting our head in the sand, but we're also recognizing the fact that we can overcome these challenges and you have to be a little bit bold at sometimes. I mean, we've never faced COVID-19, we've never faced Mm -hmm. a pandemic, at least in our lifetime. And, you know, of course, leaders have to study history as well and understand that this has happened before, perhaps in a vastly different society, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but how was it dealt with before and how can we deal with it now? But it does seem like the best solution is about communication. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I don't have every answer right now, but I will still lead you through this. And here's how, and here's, Mm -hmm the type of communication that we're going to employ throughout this process. And we're going to keep you updated along the way, just so you know, we're not just hoping and wishing Mm because hope is not a strategy. Would you agree to that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Oh my goodness. The more you can give people data and facts during this time, the more it helps to ground them. And so recently, um, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen in this recession or the coming months and years. But what we can do is look back, like you said, on history and what has happened before and get sort of a rough idea of not exactly what's going to happen, but the rough phases that we can expect, right? Because it's really just about how how big or or how high the peaks get or how low the valleys get, but the overall phases are going to be roughly the same. And so when you look at the previous recessions, I mean, first of all, unemployment was nothing like what we're seeing now. Now we're nearing, you know, 40 million people out of work, which is more than 10 times what we've seen in any previous recession, which is just nuts. Um, But so If you look at previous recessions and, you know, you could talk about this with your passive investors for any listeners who have passive investors, tell them about just these phases and it'll give them some certainty. So in a recession, what happens to real estate? So first you have the unemployment, the unemployment goes up and then usually when it gets bad like this, what happens? The government steps in with stimulus. So that's what we already saw. And are seeing. And so that's why April and May collections have been decent, right? Because people haven't been out of work that long. And also, the stimulus money is still, you know, cushioning the fall. Um, But then what's going to happen next, right, as the stimulus money dries up and then people are out of work for a longer time, then those tenants might not be able to pay their rents. And so then what's going to happen is then we're going to see a wave of defaults on those loans. And so then with that, you know, what are the banks going to do? Well, they're going to have to go in and take over those properties. So then we're going to see REOs. You know this whole drill, right? So we're going to see um, real estate-owned properties, REOs, um, come onto the market because banks don't want a property manage. They don't want to renovate the, these units. That's not what they're in the business of. So they're going to look to offload these at a discount. And that's when it'll be the best time to buy. Now, nobody knows exactly when these phases are going to happen. But when you tell people, okay, these are the rough phases that you can expect to see, then they're like, oh, okay, I get it. This is what has happened before. We're here again. This is all cyclical. Okay. Then they feel a little bit more confident in where we are.
0: Absolutely. I think it's so important to understand in general, you know, obviously the the parts of, or the phases of a cycle, right? And then to understand also that, you know, many of the more sophisticated or more experienced investors will say, hey, don't catch a falling knife, right? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, because you may still have, you know, a floor that is yet to be experienced yet in this Phase of the market cycle. And at the same time, you have to balance that thinking with the fact that if you wait too long and if things get too stabilized and you truly do hit the bottom, then you may have missed your opportunity. So, how do you hold two thoughts in your mind at one time, such as that, and operate your business successfully?
1: It's a great question. Don't catch a falling knife. That's such good advice. Um, You know, I just invested in a deal personally. like last month, you know, not long ago in the midst of all this COVID, I was homeschooling my kids and here I was wiring over my money for this deal. (laughs) Um, And I do believe, you know, in every part of the cycle, there are good deals to be had. You just, in some parts of the cycle, they're harder to find. And so I a hundred percent agree. Do not try to catch a falling knife. And right now the prices are still falling. And does that mean that there are no good deals? No, it just means they're really they're going to be harder to find right now and that there might be you know, the prices might come down further before they rebound again. Um, But I think it all comes back to just knowing what criteria that you are holding to and what your personal investing goals are and what you're looking for. Um, It, you know. Anything can anybody can make a deal look good on paper, but it always comes back to that experienced team and knowing your personal goals. And that's why I was able to invest in the midst of everything that's going on um, because I knew it was a good deal and I knew it meant my personal goals.
0: One thing I want to ask you, Annie, is. Um, I'm actually switching gears just slightly here, but in terms of you as an individual and growing your real estate portfolio and continuing to grow your influence as a mom as well. And -hmm. the reason why I want to ask you about this is because my next door neighbor, so we're in the quarantine, you know, we've been in the Mm -hmm. quarantine for a while. My next door neighbor, they're both IT professionals. One of course is the mom. One is the dad. They have two young children. And they were talk- we were talking to them the other night and the mom, you know, jokingly, and she was laughing about it. She says, you know, my kids will interrupt me constantly during my meetings. They never interrupt my husband. And they said, well, dad is in a meeting. Dad's in a meeting. <laughs> yeah. It's like, they're literally- they literally have the same job. So tell me, mm-hmm. how do you grow your business as a busy mom as well? I want to know about that.
1: Oh my gosh. It was so much easier before when they were in school all day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but now, you know, a surprising thing has happened. Um, when they first announced the schools were closed back in March, they, at first they said it was going to be for three weeks. And I said, Three weeks? Are you (laughs) kidding? I have to be at home with my, you know, we're always talking about spending more time with our kids. Right. But then when when it actually comes to fruition, we're like, Oh no, I have to spend (laughs) all this time with my kids. (laughs) And so the first week there was real hairy. I was like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to juggle all these meetings that I have and my kids being at home. And I do think that there's some ounce of, uh, because they're like, oh, well, daddy's out, he's working. Um, I'll just come ask you. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm working too. <laughs> yeah. um, but luckily we do have, my mom lives with us. So she mm-hmm. helps a ton as well. Um, but yeah, we've, we've what, what I was going to say was what's funny is that that first um, few weeks we were really scrambling and now we've settled into this sort of new normal, I guess, or next normal um, where I feel pretty darn good with the balance of family time and work time. I mean, I do get up, I get up early in the morning, so I get up before the kids are up and I get in a couple hours work then, then I spend the mornings with them, um, trying to, oh, trying to teach them, but also, you know, we spend so much time complaining about the public school curriculum and how it doesn't prepare our kids for the real world. So the first week or so, I was really stressing out about all these worksheets and these packets that the teachers were making. And I stopped for a second. I was like, wait, we're always complaining about this. Why am I stressing out about this? And so then we flipped the script and we started teaching our kids about entrepreneurship and financial oh. literacy. And I am just having the best time and really just taking their lead you know my two boys are very much into Minecraft and plants versus zombies at the moment so I'm trying to use that to teach them about you know research skills we had a research skills uh, little mini lesson where we opened up Google and I said okay this is what Google looks like you see that search (laughs) bar then you use this keyboard and you type in there what you think you want to find we typed in like plants versus zombies strategies and and we researched you know the different characters and how the game designer balances the different um, game economies and things like that so I think we've had a ton of fun with it and at this point I feel pretty good about the balance of um, spending time with my kids and helping um, to foster their learning and um, the velocity of our business has really not taken a dip during this time I'm shocked Um, but we've been able to keep on going, which has been incredible.
0: That's awesome. And, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing the same with my future children. I, Mm -hmm. I'm getting married. I was supposed to be getting married in July, got pushed a couple months due to the, uh, the whole situation here, but mm-hmm. looking forward really to sharing that, that experience that you just described about teaching my children about entrepreneurship and the opportunities to build financial abundance, mm-hmm. you know, through oh, real yeah. estate or through anything that really catches their eye because real estate is just a vehicle. It's the yes. vehicle that you and I have chosen and that we're super passionate about. And we know that it can, you know, provide so many benefits for so many people, but there are other similar Vehicles, of course, so we don't claim mm-hmm. that this is the only vehicle, but you know one thing that you've talked about, and I know that you share this passion of you know financial education, financial literacy, especially with what you just told me there, but talk to me you know one thing that i've heard you say many times or, or sometimes is is building true wealth through real estate, mm-hmm. you say true, and I think the key there is true, so what do you think or, or how would you delineate mm-hmm. true wealth versus you know, otherwise, I mean, could you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, you know, it's so easy. I think when when people are building, they're saving their money and they're building up that cash, um, those cash reserves, It's all about the number in the bank account, right? My mom, her whole life, it was, she didn't invest. She still doesn't really invest except what I've put her money into. Um, And so her whole life, she has been all about that number in the bank account. Can I grow that a little bit next week? Can I grow that a little bit more next year? And so to her, that is wealth. If that number gets to a certain point, she feels pretty good. She feels wealthy in her own sense of the word. But when I think of wealth, it's not the kind of wealth that can be taken away by things like inflation or can be taken away by, you know, a big surprise expense. True wealth to me means that you have this wealth generation machine that is creating passive income for you, whether or not you're doing anything. And then what that allows you to do in your life, this is the other part of the wealth is, is not just about the money part, but also the time, freedom and the flexibility to live the life that you want. So there's many aspects of wealth. And so to live a truly wealthy life, you have the passive income piece, you also have the freedom to live the life you want and to do what you were put on this planet to do.
0: No, that's amazing. I could not have said it better myself. And I do think it's an interesting shift once you start to realize that it's not just the number, but it's what else can you know your wealth provide for you? Can it provide other options and you know extra or additional income generation beyond just that static figure? And I think it's so interesting. And also what you mentioned there on inflation couldn't be more relevant mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at uh, the printing, and obviously you mentioned in terms of, um, you know, the cushion that's being provided to the economy, there will be headwinds from that in the future. Mm-hmm. And so how are you positioning mm-hmm. yourselves, you know, for that? And obviously, real estate itself is, uh, is an inflation, you know, protection vehicle, mm-hmm. um, due to the fact that when the cost of living rises, you know, rent does as well. And so, you know, we don't, you know, it is what it is. That's just mm-hmm. the fact of the matter and, and it's how the market works, but it's interesting. And I think the listeners need to position themselves and be aware of that because I think it's going to be yeah. more and more relevant, maybe more relevant than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really appreciate that. I wanted to talk to you just briefly about personal growth. I mean, how do you, how would you say that you invest in yourself um, amidst, you know, growing your business? You know, it doesn't have to be monetarily, but maybe it's uh, attention wise, but tell me there.
1: Hmm. And this is where I love everything about your podcast um, because it's all about elevating yourself. And you talk a lot about teaching as a way to elevate. And I mentioned that I started out, we're coming full circle now, I started out as an elementary school teacher because it's always been a passion of mine to take something that I can, I've can, i digested and I understand and to turn, turn that around and show that to others, share that with others and so when I think about how I elevate myself it's through teaching others because the more that I teach others the more that I understand it myself just now we were talking about the you know the airplane analogy and the phases of the uh, of recessions and I that helped me not yeah. just the listeners but that helped me to digest it and rethink through it think through a new way to talk about it to explain it and so every time I do that that elevates me as a as a person as a human being, as a teacher, um, as, a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. Um, so I look to teach wherever I can.
0: Yeah. And nerves, you know, what I've heard is that when nerves fire together, they wire together. And if you can, you know, deepen the grooves of your, your. you know, I'm, I'm probably getting in deep water here in terms of the description of, uh, you know, neuroscience. But when you can repeat over and over information that you know, or revisit information. That's why I always tell the listeners or, or encourage the listeners to re-listen to a show is because, you know, not only can you deepen your understanding, um, you know, through that repetition, but you can also really anchor in your own understanding, but then also sharing it with someone else. That's when it really anchors in for yourself mm-hmm. as well. And that's yeah. why giving is receiving. So I think yes. that's, that's really, really exciting. So, so you're a teacher obviously through and through what else, mm-hmm. um, you know, what other kind of habits are you conscious about creating in your life?
1: Well, I, I mentioned I um, try to get up early um, and I have this thing, I call it a mind movie. And it's a, um, it's a short, you know, three minute or so, basically it's a slideshow sort of a visualization of sorts. And so I've put in there photos of me and my family, photos of me and my business partner, Julie, um, footage of me speaking at different events, quotes that resonate with me, um, pictures of beautiful places that I want to go. Um, At the beginning, it opens up with just the word breathe, breathe. On the screen and then the next screen says make this make today count and so it's just a gentle reminder and it's all set to music and it's just a daily reminder of what all of this is for you know and it anchors me so that you know whatever the day throws at me I know that this is why that I'm doing these things, so that I can give to my family what I may never have had as a kid, and then that I can travel to these places, that I can give back to my community, um, and so that's a more or less daily habit. I don't say I won't say that I watch it every single day, but most days when I when I can.
0: This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a real estate investment firm formed by myself and my partner Brian Flaherty where we invest in multifamily real estate communities across the Southeast United States. If you'd like to learn more about our approach, our mission, our acquisition criteria, and how you can learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. That's awesome. That's like a 21st century vision board, huh?
1: There you go. That's awesome. Travels with me wherever I go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's super powerful too. If you can tie emotions to, your dreams right into the Mm -hmm. visualizations that you create in your life. And it's amazing what the reticular activating system can then do.
1: Look at you and and your neuroscience. (laughs) Come
0: on, you know, the uh, the heavy lifting that can happen then. I mean, it's amazing. Have you seen that um, things have just showed up in your life just through this. Oh, commitment. yes.
1: Oh, man. I, you know, what they say is like, you know, if you set a goal for yourself, the universe conspires to pr- give it to you. Yep. And so I had to tell you this story. So we launched our our real estate accelerator course to teach people to raise capital like we do. We launched it back in September. And you know, we got a few signups to start and we're trickling on through, you know, January, February, March, we had maybe, you know, a dozen or so people in it, but we weren't really getting much traction. But then COVID hit and, you know, all of a sudden we were like, okay, well, we don't have any deals on the table, let's shift focus and let's focus on this course and really growing this course because this is a great time to learn to raise capital and to build your investor base to get people ready for the opportunities that are going to come. And so we set our focus, we set our intention on growing the course. And I seriously, I feel like the universe is conspiring to bring us, I mean, we've gained so much traction in the last month or so, it's ridiculous. And we're like, where are all these people coming from? They're finding us through sources. We didn't even realize we're out there wow. and referrals and it's just incredible. So I think when you set out to create something of value, you set out with the true intention of really helping people, then the universe really comes together um, to bring you what you want.
0: Yeah, no, that's so true. And I think showing up with that giving energy, people can mm-hmm. feel that whether they're consciously aware of that or not, whether they consider themselves to be enlightened to a certain degree or not. I mean, they're attracted to people who are doing good. And so mm-hmm. just the the essence of who you are and who the who your brand is, I mean, good egg investments. I mean, <laughs> these are good people. So uh, kudos to you for that. And And there's so much to learn. There's so much for the listeners to really gain from that. And I highly encourage the listener to re-listen to that specific section, because if anything can change your life, I know that that is it right there. And it's it's all about that you know, genuine intention to bring value to other people. And uh, it is really interesting to see how the universe conspires to make those things happen. If you are willing to remain committed, um, because Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I've been tested, you know, my patience Mm -hmm. has been tested many times. Have Mm -hmm. you experienced that yourself as well?
1: I have two young boys. My patience is tested every single day. <laughs> but yes, yes, absolutely. Because, you know, through everything and as a business owner, your patience is tested all the time because we all want it right now, right? Yeah. When you launch a business, and we see this all the time with our coaching members. It's like they launch their business and they're like, okay, I got to have the social media. I got to have the drip campaigns. I got to have the automations. I got to have the like thousand people on my list. They want it all right now, right? But then you're right. It's like the universe tests you and you'll have challenges along the way and you have to commit and you have to put in the work to see the results. It's not magic to see the results. Uh, There's a path before you and there's proven success from those who have gone before you, but you have to actually step up and do the work to get there.
0: Step up and do the work. That is so well said. Annie, uh, this is amazing. Uh, Let me transition us into our rapid fire section. Call it the rare air questionnaire, and we're all about being uncommon. We're all about doing things that other people aren't willing to do, uh, so that we can live a life that maybe others are not able to live. And uh, but we're also going to show the way. We're also going to do the right thing. And we're going to bring others with us here. And so, with that said, I'd love to know if you were to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read. What would those be, and why?
1: All right, I'm going to give you two of my top ones. One it is one that I read. Um, right when I, I don't know if you remember this in my story, but when I was transitioning from house hacking to investing out of state and I said, okay, well I can invest anywhere, but where, where do I even start? And so I read this book by Dave Lindahl, Emerging Real Estate Markets, and it really grounded me, not just in what emerging real estate markets are, but in what to look for in any market. Um, And so that one is a fantastic book. Um, and then another one for any business owners who are listening is um, Building a Story Brand uh, by Donald Miller. And I, this is the first time, I'm not a marketer, uh, I, well, I am a marketer technically, but um, I did not receive any professional marketing um, training. And so when I read this book, Building a Story Brand, it opened my eyes to what marketing, the true impact that marketing can have. Because what he talks about in the book, he compares um, building a brand to the hero's journey. and He says, well, most brands think of themselves as the hero in the story. And when you go to most new business websites, that's exactly what you'll see, right? They're like, we do this and we have this experience and we will help with this, right? It's all about us, 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 us. And he says, no, in fact, your customer, or in this case, your investor, they are the hero in the story. You are the guide or the Yoda in the story. You are there to help them to get to their goal. And when I heard that, that completely transformed the way that I think about building a brand and marketing. Because now if you go to our site or see any of our materials, it's all about the investor. It's all about our target customer and what they want out of life. And we are just stepping into the background and we're pointing these things out to them and we're like, yeah, we can help you with that. <laughs> but we know what you want, and um, we can help you get there. And so that's a truly impactful book, Building a Story Brand.
0: No, that's awesome. And I have it on my bookshelf here. So you're, 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 you're prodding <laughs> me in the right direction. Yes, I will so be good. getting to that one here soon. And uh, we'll definitely put uh, links in the show notes for both of those books if the listeners are interested. Um, you know, leaders are readers for sure. That's why I asked that question. I'm always looking for a new suggestion as well as reminding everyone to continuous, continuously learn, you know, continuously Mm -hmm. seek new information and replace perhaps old information with something new. And it's interesting. You mentioned, I'm not a marketer. You said that. (laughs) And let me just say that you have phenomenal marketing. Um, And I'm somebody who went to school for marketing. And I can tell you that as I learned more as a professional, I learned that everything I learned in college for marketing was totally, maybe not totally irrelevant, but largely irrelevant. Mm. So there's so much more that you can learn from books and from spending time with others like yourself, investing in coaching, that can really transform your business much beyond sort of your traditional education. So obviously kudos to you guys um, and you specifically for, for everything that you do there. And thanks for sharing that aside from our discussion today, what would you say is the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis?
1: Man, I think, I think every day I, I, one thing that I try to do in everything that I do is to, for better or worse, um, be uncommon. As you just said, to think outside the box. Um, I've always prided myself in my creative thinking, creative problem solving. And that has that is what has led me to things like, you know, using plants versus zombies to teach my kids at home, you know, <laughs> and just trying to do things that other people maybe aren't thinking of or haven't tried. And so that's... That's what I, that's what gets me going is, you know, everybody's over here looking at this thing and I'm like, well, is that really the thing or could we think about this thing over here? That's always where my mind is going. That's always, I'm always trying to think of a new way to do things and to really surprise myself and to surprise other people.
0: That's awesome. That's a great reminder for every, all of us, really myself included, is to think outside the box, you know, because we are habitual thinkers and we want, you know, it's what is it? 95% of our thoughts are the same that they were the day before. So what mm. can we do to stop, you know, pattern interrupt there and yeah. think some, some way differently? What can we do to be mm-hmm. a little bit different or, or try a new strategy or a new approach? So uh, it's a great reminder for all of us Um, and what would you say is the biggest way outside of teaching? I mean, obviously you're a teacher, you're a sharer, you're someone who, you know, shares, you know, genuine stories and real opportunities with others. But what would you say is the biggest way that you elevate others around you?
1: Oh man, I walk the walk, Tyler. I don't just, uh, I don't just talk about doing it. I actually go and do it. Um, and I'm not one to, you know, stand up and, you know, uh, Toot my own horn. That's the phrase I was looking for. Toot my own horn or like try to, you know, show others I'm... I'm the one worth following, or I, you know, you should do as I say, but I'm just actually, I'm down in the trenches with everyone else, and I'm doing the work day by day, and I'm, you know, I'm growing this business little by little, just adding a little thing here, a little thing there, trying this, testing that, and I think just by being humble and by doing the work and really having that integrity and really coming from a place of genuinely wanting to help others. Um, I think that's how I elevate the people around me.
0: That's amazing. And, uh, I definitely would say that's, uh, that is true. That is 1000% true. And is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd share with Elevate Nation today?
1: One of my mottos that I live by is, um, fail faster. And as a somebody who's been in the field of design for many years, um, you know, that's the biggest gift is a failure, whether in design, in real estate, in business, wherever, the sooner you can figure out something that doesn't work, the faster you'll get to something that does work.
0: That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And it's a great reminder for us all that when failures come, that may be a good sign. So let's not be too down on that and pick yourself up and and learn the lessons and take that forward with you. So Annie, this has been so much fun. Really, really appreciate you taking time. Tell the listeners how they can uh, learn more about you and, and Good Egg Investments.
1: Absolutely. The best place to go would be com, and I'm always here and available. If anybody has any questions or wants to connect directly, you can reach me at Annie at goodaginvestments.com.
0: Absolutely. And we'll put links in the show notes to all their social media, their websites, all that good stuff. I also want to mention that, um, you've got an offer there for a free hardcover copy of their, of your book. That's right. Investing for That's good. right. i right?
1: show it to you, but my green screen may block out some of it. This is the downside <laughs> yeah. of having there a, there we go. Yeah. Um, so this is our book, um, investing for good. It is a hardcover book. We'll even autograph it for you. Um, you just pay shipping and we'll send it directly to you. It's packed with all of our insights and knowledge. We kept it nice and short so you can read it in a, in just a single afternoon. Um, And it's got all of our wisdom about investing, passive investing, and how to truly grow your wealth.
0: That's amazing. And uh, you'll definitely want to take her up on that offer there because uh, I know they're putting out phenomenal content. You want to visit their website, check out what they're doing because the story brand is so evident. And everything they're doing there, and I want to encourage you to re-listen to this show and share this with someone else because I don't know about you, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I found a lot of value in it, and I know that many others will too. So, who do you know that would value? you know, this conversation and who could apply, you know, the discussion that Annie and I had today. And so I want you to really want to challenge you to distill your top three key distinctions. and What are your top three takeaways? Perhaps you could even share that with them and see if they have, you know, a different takeaway that maybe you didn't catch yourself. So uh, also repetition is key. So re-listening is very important. Sharing because the teacher learns the most. And of course, as you know, taking massive action is by far the most important part because knowledge is only potential power. The real power is in taking massive action and picking yourself up when you fail because look, failure is inevitable and uh, it's also a blessing in disguise. So with that said, Annie, I wanna thank you again so much for being on the show.
1: This has been so much fun, Tyler. Thank you to you and to all of your listeners.
0: Absolutely, Elevate Nation, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Elevate.